If you have your Bible, I invite you to open to Philippians chapter 4. And in Philippians chapter 4, the passage that uh, we had just played on the screen here is a powerful passage that really speaks to us. It's one of my all-time favorite passages. I want to invite you to Philippians chapter 4. Look beginning at verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Man, that's powerful, isn't it? Finally, brothers and sisters, finally. That is, now that we're at this point in this writing, finally, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned and received or heard from me or seen in me, notice those verbs, put it into practice, and look at this as he echoes what he's already said, and the peace of God will be with you. Once in a while, I like to watch the reruns from Mayberry. When you watch reruns, you see Andy Griffith and Opie, of course. You see Aunt B, and you see Barney. He's such a good actor. And when you look at it, you see Floyd, two chairs, no waiting, or one chair, no waiting, whatever he says. It's crazy what he says. You see Ernest T. Bath, Sam, Gomer, Goober, Floyd, Howard. All the rest, Helen and uh, Thelma Lou, she's a favorite, of course. And it just seemed like everybody works out everything and everybody lives in harmony. The only person that has any kind of problem seems to be the fellow named Otis. And he's the only one that's married. And we're headed toward Valentine's Day, so I'm not implying anything by that, but he's the only one that's married out of that group. And he's always drunk and, and hoping that he'll be able to spend the night in jail so he won't get thrown out at home. But it's pretty amazing what's happening there. I just have a feeling that nobody here really lives in Mayberry. I have a feeling that most of you live in a real world with real-time situations in life. And your situation is different than what they experienced there. I don't know if Cherryville is Mount Pilot or not. We're not that big of a, of a village. I call Palmerton Mayberry, so perhaps we're Mount Pilot. I'm not sure. But I know this, the Apostle Paul, writing so long ago, writes some words that are so apropos to who we are today and what we might be experiencing, that we really can put ourselves into this passage and embrace what is being said to us and really glean from it some powerful, power-packed scripture that is very relevant to our present reality. These are some verses that I go to very often. As a matter of fact, in my personal life, in my private life, these are verses I have to remind myself very often about because... I get overwhelmed sometimes if I will let myself with the number of funerals that I do or the number of hard cases that I work with on different things or sometimes working in different kinds of, of uh, you know, projects and things that we do both here and with other churches as I have the opportunity to assist a few. It's an amazing thing, the challenges that folks are going through and the churches are going through right now. And so what I try to do is to remind myself of what I've just read to you. So today, really, I'm preaching a message that I'm inviting you to listen in on because it is a message primarily to Kev. That's me if you don't know who I am. I'm preaching a message primarily to myself. 
And you're welcome to listen in because I believe today God wants to speak to us in the time in which we live. Paul, as a for instance, says, you don't have to worry or be anxious about anything. And I'm listening to that and I'm thinking, really? Because I know his story. You do the background study here of where he is. He is in prison. They have, in their case, very oppressive government in place. It's very troubling for them. Corrupt leaders in their case. He is writing from prison. He's writing while his nation is occupied with people that are not supposed to be there. He has had false accusations levied against him. They're hurtful allegations. They're wrong allegations, but they're allegations. He's separated from those that he loves. He has none of them around him. His motives were being questioned in this passage and in this time period. He's being misrepresented whenever they would seek to honor. They would not really honor him, but they would misrepresent him. Yet it is in these conditions, <laughs> in this situation, in this story that the apostle says, I want to talk to you about your thought life. I want to talk to you about your God perspective. I want to talk to you about the situation you're experiencing in your life. And he gives us three positive, I'm going to call them Christian virtues, that will help show us how to advance and how to really rein in our thinking whenever we're challenged with these kind of realities, even in our own life. The first of those that he gives, and you're going to outline them there if in your bulletin, there's an outline if you want to follow along, is he says that we as Christians, we as believers, as followers of Christ, should be prayerful instead of anxious. I'm not going to put you on a guilt trip and tell you it's a sin to worry. I'm just not going to do it. The human condition allows us sometimes, from time to time, to be very overwhelmed. So here's the remedy for it and the help in it, okay? There's no bashing, no blasting. He's not blasting. He's inviting here. So he says, be prayerful instead of anxious. Now, the verb anxious here can mean to be concerned about something, kind of like in a Christian way, you know, to where we're kind of like, hey, man, what's up with that, you know? I mean, like abortion, that, that creates kind of an anxiousness to us, right? And we get a little bit upset about, we don't get a little, we get a lot concerned about, you know, the health and well-being of everybody, even those babies, so we get a little bit of that. But here it's talking about something a little different. It's talking about a non-productive, very over-anxious reality here. It's undue concern to where I really am not having to be concerned, but I'm allowing myself to be overwhelmed with this to where I'm being taken under. It's the glub, glub, glub going down under that he's talking about here. It's kind of Charlie Brown in the cartoon saying this, Hello God, we need your help down here. The world has gone mad. Please hear and answer our prayers. Thank you, God. Amen. We need a Charlie Brown prayer right now because, God, we need you. And even though that's a little cartoon, it so expresses our thoughts. Now, he says right here that the answer to this type of anxiety is prayer. Now, we all know basically what we think prayer might be, but he helps guide us. Uh, any of you ever go to Cracker Barrel? Anybody ever like to go to Cracker Barrel? What do you like to get when you go to Cracker Barrel? What do you get? Breakfast. Oh my goodness, you're making me hungry. <laughs> what do you get? Hash brown casserole. What do you like? Anything? Fried shrimp, hush puppy. You go to Cracker Barrel? Smoked sausage. 
Oh my goodness, look at this. The menu is just, everybody's going to Cracker Barrel, right? And so it's a good place to go. I like to go out into the gift shop. Believe it or not, I kind of like to meander there. They make you meander on purpose, right? So you buy something, am I right? If I'm right, say yes. You know I'm right. And you say yes at home too. Hey, you know I'm right. Uh, if you don't know what Cracker Barrel is, if you're from maybe around the world somewhere, it's a restaurant. But they have a gift shop out front where they sell all kinds of things. Well, they have these cards out there on this carousel for cards. And some of them are very witty and very humorous. One of them has what's called the senility prayer on it. Grant me the senility to forget the people I never liked anyway, and the good fortune to run into the ones I do, and the eyesight to tell the difference. I love it. (laughs) I love that prayer. That is so beautiful. Isn't that choice? But look what he does here. He gives us four ideas of prayer. Not not postures like lay down, sit down, kneel, you know, all that kind of stuff. He doesn't do that, right? But he says prayer. So let me just kind of look at him real quick here. It's kind of like the attitude of worship that he's talking about here. It's kind of like we enter into prayer. You know, when Pastor Scott led us in prayer just a little bit ago, our hearts moved into that worshipful moment. Pastor Justin led one at the, at the uh, opening there. It leads us in. Then there is petition. This is where we say, hey, God, we need these things. Dear, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know that. But then Jesus says, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespass. We forgive those who trespass against us. So he comes to the need side of it all, right? And so that's what, and then Thanksgiving. There is thanking God for everything he has done, for who he is. It is, it is just this gratitude. You know, I prayed last week, so we're not forgetting that we prayed, Lord, but we are thanking you because you have helped us in such beautiful ways. Then there are the requests. They are, as I understand it, the family around me, you know? If you're like me, I pray for my family, and, and I ask God to be with each one of them, right? And, and I pray for many, many of you. And I pray through our staff this morning. I was praying through early our staff and their families and praying through different ones that volunteer at the church and our leaders at the church and different ones of you came to my mind. So I just pray to them, to God about you. Look at verse 7. I think this is so helpful. It's helped me so many times. Turn your, I'm paraphrasing this, turn your, turn your worry or your anxious list into a prayer list. When you turn your anxious list your, your stress, your worry into a prayer list, it gives God the chance to minister to you and to do something extraordinary and extra special in the situation. It invites him in and it calms your mind and it begins to give you perspective about what's happening. He can give you favor. He can give you insight. He can give you wisdom. He can give you discernment. He can give you all kinds of things whenever you begin to just say, okay, here's what I'm thinking about. And so what I have done pretty much my whole adult life, I have taken this and I've said, okay, here's the situation. You take my marriage. There have been times when I've had to specifically focus on my marriage and pray about that. Or there have been times when raising my children, I've had to raise, raise three along with my wife. And it's been like, God, you know, my prayer life enhanced so much whenever I was raising them through the teen years, especially it seemed, oh my, but I haven't quit praying for them, even though they're adults, still praying for them, right? And so you're doing that. But sometimes we get anxious about things. Grandkids come along. I pray about our nation. There are several things that I'm praying about. And I don't, I don't talk a lot about our nation, but we need to be praying for it right now. And so we pray. And those things that are making us anxious right now. We need to be able to just say to God, here's what we are. One of my big ones about our nation is that our freedoms will not be taken from us. Freedom to do what we're doing today. Freedom to have our Bible. These may sound like, oh, Kev, that'll never, oh, 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 don't believe it won't. Do not believe for a minute it, it couldn't. We take for granted everything. We could be appeared to be a nuisance. But Jesus in the garden takes his stress list 
his anxious list, and he turns it into a prayer. He prays calling the cross a cup. He says, take this cup from me. That's his prayer list. That's his anxious list. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He is praying in that moment, relinquishing that situation to God. God, hear the different facets of this thing. Hear the different feelings of this thing. Hear the different facts of this thing. I am giving it all to you. And for me, I go down through enumerating those things and say, here they are. Give me favor in the moment. Give me quick recall. Give me everything, whatever it is that you need. Just go ahead and pray it out. And, and he says that the peace of God will be with you. The security guard in the Gaza Strip came under bullet fire from the Israeli army. And the leader, the chief, called Yasser Arafat. What a cool name. I'm not debating his politics that he had and all that. Just, I mean, Johnny Carson had so much fun with his name, it wasn't funny. What a cool name. Yasser. How you doing? Yasser. I mean, that's, that's just a funny name. But anyway, <laughs> you can't help. Uh, he calls him up. I mean, when he answered the phone, he probably said, Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm just thinking, I can't, I'm sorry. Uh, just, it's just such a name, isn't it? Well, he called the ambassador of the U.S., and he calls Colin Powell. Colin Powell called Ariel Sharon. Ariel Sharon called his team that was over his military, and you know what happened? The shooting stopped. So here it is Monday morning. You're headed to work. You've got some kind of presentation you have to make. You have some place you have to go. You have something you have to do. You're driving to work. You're praying your prayer, and you're saying, God, I don't have a clue how this is going to work out. Give me favor in that place, in that moment. Set the atmosphere. Help those who shouldn't be there to not be there. Help those who should be there to be there. Help them to feel right, think right, be right, and let this moment be there. When I present, help me not to stutter, stammer, say uh, uh, uh all the time. Help me just to be able to present as I'm supposed to. Father, when I finish, help me to know that I am done so I can reel the net and be able to bring a clear conclusion to that situation. You see, that's the type of thing that we're doing. When you go to the principal office and talk to them about your child or your grandchild or, or someone that you may be the guardian of, give me favor when I walk into that place that I'll go with confidence, without fear, that I'll be able to go in to present to the administrators whatever I need to do. You see, God is interested in all those things. And Paul says, with all these things happening, he says, don't be anxious. Pray about them. Instead, pray about them. The second thing that I think is very important here of these uh, Christian virtues that he says is in verse 8. Now look at it. You'll catch it. I think maybe you could say it better than I would, but it's Christian should keep doing what is morally and spiritually excellent. Morally and spiritually excellent. Paul gives a charter list. It's a charter of virtues, really, isn't it? When he gives this list of the ways we should think. It's qualities of character in the way that we should think. He gives positive alternatives to hate, resentment, all the bitterness, all the unforgiveness, all the grudges, all the revenge... All the morally, listen to this, all the morally polluted thoughts we could have. Vulgar thoughts. He gives us an alternative to all of that. 
Henry Blackaby says this, if you focus on the negative, you will inevitably be a negative person. If you focus on the unholy thoughts, you will, you will find that ungodliness will become very common in your life. What you fill your mind with is a matter of choice. And God knows how to help us. So what does Paul say to us? He says, finally, my friends, keep your minds on whatever is true, pure, right, holy, friendly, proper. Don't ever stop thinking about this. These truly worthwhile and truly worthy of praise matters. Chuck Swindoll puts it this way in one of his writings. He said, no matter what you're dealing with or how bad it may seem or why God may be permitting them, deliberately letting your mind dwell on the positive, uplifting thoughts will enable you to survive. Now look at verse 8. Here's what he says in this. He shifts the list that he has been given. And now what he does is he shifts this, and this is powerful, don't miss it. He says, if there's anything that is excellent, if there's anything that is praiseworthy, you need to think about this stuff. Now when he says the excellent and praiseworthy, you know what he just did? He didn't go down some kind of a list and tell you, think about this, don't think about that. He said, you decide what is excellent, and you decide what is praiseworthy. You will know where you are. You will know what thoughts are being presented to you. So in those moments, you decide what is going on in your life. Here, here's something that if, if you're distracted by a coworker and, and, and romantically distracted, and you're married, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, if you'll starve those thoughts, listen, if you'll starve those thoughts, if you'll starve any of the behavior that could be flirtatious, if you'll starve off all of those kinds of things, God will help you move past that. He will do it. Another thing that I found helpful along the way is to ask people to get someone that they are accountable to. And in my own life, the accountability has been a beautiful thing because when you have that accountability, it helps you go back and respond to them and say, I'm past that. God has helped me break that, but thank you for letting me share that. I'm just giving you real-life illustrations here because I want to be real to you. The mayor of New York in yesterday's news, did you see? Did you hear? He blamed one of the video games as being the reason for the upsurge in some of the violence in his area. Now, that could be absolutely senile on the one end because we could say, well, no, there's a lot of other reasons. Okay, I grant it. But I will tell you this, that studies are out and studies are saying that some of this stuff is absolutely hurtful. I'm not saying we should not use a video game, but there are adults that are using video games. If you're always finding yourself hunting somebody down and shooting them, you'll become numb to the idea of hunting and shooting somebody eventually. You can become that. Some people can separate that. But if you have no parental guidance to help you or no person in your life, you might want to watch that. Sometimes some of the stuff we, we watch or some of the sites we go on, they don't add value to us. What are we supposed to do with our life in these moments? It's a weird world we live in, isn't it? He says, I want the peace of God to reign in your heart even though you face adversity. Madeline Carroll is a Hollywood actress. As a young kid, she was in commercials. Then eventually she got some roles that were pretty good. Eventually, a producer said, you have to disrobe. Take your clothes off for the scenes in this movie. Her Christian values said, I will not do that. Her Christian values said, that's not who I am or who I want to be. And her agent said, but if you're going to be in Hollywood, you're going to have to. She almost caved to that. 
And then she said, no, I'm not going to do it, even if it means I don't get parts. And she didn't get calls for a long time. It was crickets. And finally, she started getting a little call, and then she got another call, and then she would get another. And the movie, I can only imagine, you know, it came out a few years back, great movie. She got a part in that, and it seemed to catapult her into a new level. On the red carpet, she says this to a reporter who came to her. The biggest thing I can say is, God is so faithful. Each step I took, the Lord literally just made the path clear before me. He is faithful if you are faithful to Him. He has your dreams, and He will make a way where there is no way. That's next level. And then there is a third example here that he gives to us of Christian virtue. And here it is. Look at verse 9 of your passage. As Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, Paul says to us, we should follow his example. Now, he would say this to his people because they had no Bible. <laughs> the Old Testament, but they had, no, they had no now Bible. He's writing it. <laughs> He's sending them a letter. So right now, the Bible's being written. So they didn't know how to act. And so he says, well, follow me as I follow Christ, <laughs> okay? And for some people in your life, they have no Bible. They don't know they could get it on an app on their phone. They don't know they could download it on a site like Bible Gateway. They do not know that it is possible for them to go buy a Bible or come to BWC Ministry Center Lobby and pick up a beautiful, great Bible today. They don't know they could. They don't have that opportunity they are with, but you are their Bible, and you are the one who is showing them how a Christian operates, and so your Bible 101 to them. And so when you act nice, and when you are polite, and when you are kind, and when you don't hit on them in negative situations like that, when you don't do stuff like you know you're making a great statement for Christ, and you are becoming a believable Bible to them. Paul had his own troubles and his own challenges here, and he says, follow my example. Well, what kind of example would he have? How would Paul know? He's the apostle Paul. Yeah, but he had all those back memories of yesteryear when he had arrested Christians before he knew Christ, and some may have been incarcerated, and some may have died because of their faith. He had that in the back of his mind, and he had all the other things going on. What else? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 talks about it, starting at verse 20. 4 through 26, it says this, five times I received the um, 39 lashes on my back. Three times I was bit, uh, beaten by rods and pelted with stones. And three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. Think about sharks and waves and potential storms. I've been constantly on the move. Why was he on the move? Because he's been in danger of rivers. He's been in danger of bandits, fellow Jews, fellow Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, he writes there, in danger of the sea, and in danger of false believers. The Apostle Paul says, I know you can overcome because I am overcoming. I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. Don't give up in well-doing. Don't, don't shrink back whenever you have all this crud coming against you. Now notice the verbs that he gives in verse 9. There are four of them. Notice the first two of these verbs. That which you have learned... He's saying, I, I have taught you these things. And that which you have received, that is, you've seen my life lived out. And then next to heard and seen. You've heard me when I've been speaking and in life. And then you have seen my conduct whenever I've moved around about you. I've been polite and kind to you. And I've been confrontational when necessary. But I have helped you out. They had no Bible, so here they are. Sidney McLaughlin is an Olympic athlete. And whether you watch the Olympics is your business. 
But first and foremost, she says, I am a child of God. I like that. Track is not who I am. It's just what I do. It's the opportunity that he has given me to bring all the glory back to him. Now, what about you? And what about me? And what about right now? I don't know. Bob Record is a minister. Bob had an accident where it messed up his back. He was in excruciating discomfort and pain. He really had to have high levels of medication and to really gain the most opportunity for peace to be able to rest even a little. He had to lay on bags of ice after he received all the medication. Terrible. They were working with him, and it was going to be a several-week process before he would even be able to function even remotely normally. So they sent him home to do some of the process of recovery. He asked to be taken to a screened-in porch that they had. It was a cold, rainy, blustery day. They push him out to that area. He's sitting there, just trying to get a different viewpoint, in discomfort, in pain. And while he sits there, a bird comes up, lands on the ledge, and starts singing. This bird is singing a song, and in his mind, he's thinking, where is my shotgun? It is a cold day, a windy day, a rainy day. Nobody sings today. The day passed, the next day came. Bob Record said, could you take me back out onto the porch? I want to I go out there just to catch some fresh air. They wheeled him out onto the screened-in porch again. This day is a little warmer. This day is a little bit more sunny. This day is beautiful. He didn't know if it was the same bird, but another bird, perhaps the same, lands on the ledge, and it starts singing. He thought to himself, where's my shotgun? That bird is so annoying. Then it's as if God spoke into his heart. It's as if God spoke into his heart. Bob's word said this. It was as though God quietly said to me, You've got the same choice, Bob. You will either let the external circumstances mold your attitude or your attitude will rise above the external circumstances. You choose. Father, we thank you for your word. It is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. And on this beautiful Sunday morning, as we've gathered here in your presence, been able to experience your truth coming alive in our worship, in our thoughts, in our heart. You know what you want to say to us today that brings you glory and honor and puts a proper perspective into our heart that we might reflect you in beautiful ways this week and live you out even in the circumstances of life. Lord, like the apostle Everything hasn't always been beautiful about our life experiences. Yet, we choose like him to look to you. We thank you for the avenue of prayer and the privilege of thought. We pray now, Lord, that you would invade each one of us with the holy awareness of your presence. And that each one of us would be able today to, like eagle's wings, we'd be able to soar up higher 
and to be able to see things in a better perspective, to be able to understand that you've got the whole world in your hand and you even have us there too. Forgive us for our sin anywhere where we've sinned and forgive us, Lord, for those areas where we've maybe colored outside the lines that have missed the mark. And help each one of us to move away from those areas of our life and move toward your plan and path because we know one day we will see you face to face. We want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful, and know that they are affirming words of resounding truth. In your name we pray and give you thanks. Comfort us all. Amen.